Welcome to our podcast, Conversations About Student Mental Health. I'm Chris Leonard, clinical social worker and educator working with children and adolescents for over 30 years. In this podcast, I talk with school administrators, educators, clinicians, and parents to open a dialogue that will help the growing number of students struggling with mental illness. Hi again, everyone. My guest today is Stephen Cates, an interventionist with the Southside Community School in Tucson, Arizona. Stephen received his bachelor's degrees in English literature and creative writing with a focus in poetry from the University of Arizona. He recently completed Thrive's coaching and certification program and is now a certified school mental wellness specialist. We'll be focusing today on how teacher training and coaching around mental wellness improves school climate and culture, which in turn improves student outcomes. As an interventionist, Stephen works with students in grades one through seven who've been identified as potentially needing special education services, either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. Stephen assesses whether each student has just fallen behind and needs some extra or different instruction to catch up with a class, if there might be something going on in their life that makes school harder, or perhaps they may need to be evaluated for services. Stephen has also provided private tutoring and worked in a group home for developmentally disabled people to help them learn the skills they need to live more independently. In his free time, Stephen enjoys writing, collaborative storytelling, and role-playing. Like many educators, Stephen has been seeing firsthand the issues students have been facing leading up to and as a result of the pandemic. Stephen's school decided to engage Thrive Alliance Group to help staff develop the knowledge and skills to better support students with mental health challenges. So hello, Stephen, and welcome. Hello. How's it going today? It's going well, thanks. Excellent. So I'd like to start by having you share some of what you've been experiencing as it relates to the mental health crisis and how, in what ways it might have been making your job more challenging. And in particular, I'm curious about what you and your colleagues were experiencing at the beginning of this school year prior to participating in Thrive's coaching and certification program. Uh, I noticed, I, I just started working at the school this year, but I noticed that uh, some of the students that I was tutoring were starting to struggle more and more with anxiety and depression over the last few years, even prior to the pandemic. Mm. And I know I struggle more with my work and day-to-day -day life when I'm dealing with mental health challenges. Um, and, you know, it's no different for kids, especially if they don't have the resources or support they need to navigate circumstances in a healthy way. Yeah. And the circumstances have just become more challenging for all of us, I think. Um, can you give me an example or two of, you know, you said you're seeing, you were seeing kids with more anxiety and depression. Um, how did that manifest? What, what were you seeing um, or, or hearing about? Um, with one student in particular, I noticed they, they seem to be starting to struggle with concepts that we had previously mastered. Things that had been easier were starting to become more challenging. Um, I was noticing more negative self talk and shutting down and being positive that they couldn't do something. And it turned out their parents were getting a divorce. They were hitting puberty because of the divorce. The parents weren't making space for the kid. Mm -hmm. And because of the pandemic, they didn't have the social network or other resources that the school may have been able to provide. And 
they had no one to talk to. Um, we ended up spending the first bit of time during our time working together with them venting and talking and verbally processing the things they were experiencing. And I noticed even just having that little bit of area provided for them to be able to be with what they were feeling in the moment and put it into words seemed to help them at least reorganize it and reapproach it enough that they started to feel a little bit more confident again, either because of recognizing what they were dealing with or just understanding that they weren't alone. And just that little bit seemed like it was enough to at least get the ball rolling and we were able to re-dive into the more academic parts of what we were supposed to be doing together. And they were able to get going a little bit more. Um, since then, they were able to start seeing a counselor and that has seemed to help them quite a bit also. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're, you've, you referenced a few things that I'm hearing from other educators that I'm talking to. One is that kind of shutting down thing and, you know, for a variety of reasons, just a, a real loss of confidence. Uh, a lot of kids just aren't willing to try. They're not even willing to start. They're just kind of stuck. Yeah, they, they hit the wall and then they're positive they can't get over it. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that is so consistent with what I've been hearing. And then another thing that you talked about that as an effective technique is providing that space uh, just to help the student reset help them kind of sit with exactly, you know, acknowledging what they're, what they're feeling, what their experience is, giving them some time and space to sit with it before trying to move headlong into instruction. Yeah. Um, that's been, that's been a success strategy that I've discussed with many people this year in, in my own coaching. So uh, that's, those are extremely relevant. That's an extremely relevant example that you provided and very uh, typical of what I've been hearing across the country. Um, and so this has been, obviously, this has been a tough time for students, but it's also, and you referenced this too, it's been a tough time for educators everywhere. And I'm reminded of the results of the January 2022 National Education Association membership poll. And just to review some of the results of that survey, 90% of respondents said that teacher burnout was a serious problem. 80% reported that unfilled job openings were increasing work responsibilities for the rest of the staff. 55% said they would leave education earlier than they had planned. And 86% said they had seen colleagues leaving for early retirement or, or maybe even another profession. So Stephen, I'm wondering what you've observed about these trends. I, that, that lines up with a lot of what I've heard from other friends that have worked in education for longer than I have. And, you know, I, they've, they've talked about feeling burnt out. Some of them have talked about feeling exhausted and feeling like things that were easier were harder and they didn't understand why they were struggling with something that had been previously mundane. And a couple of my friends have even started actively seeking an exit from the field. Uh, one of them started doing landscape work because they said that it, it was easier for them emotionally, even though it was more taxing physically and that they, they didn't miss the, the load they had acquired over the last few years and that they felt pretty freed by just being outside with rakes and shovels. 
You know, as somebody who has prior experience of a landscaper, I can tell you that, yes, it is physically exhausting, but boy, emotionally, it's pretty easy. Um, and, and so, you know, so much you, you get done and you're done. You know, the end of the day comes and the day is over. You don't take anything home with you except yeah. the dirt that you can just wash off. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and, and people feeling kind of emotionally just as you said, exhausted is, is something that, you know, that we're seeing. Um, and a lot of schools have been a law at a loss for how to help staff or, or they're so focused on helping the students, which is important that they're not seeing that the staff is, is really overwhelmed, but, uh, Southside had the foresight to sign up with thrives, mental health training and coaching. So I'd like to dig a little deeper on your impressions and experiences of the program, if that's okay. Yeah. Awesome. So first impressions, when you were informed that you could participate in mental health training and coaching, how'd you respond? Uh, I was, I was excited. Um, I had, I had just recently started working here at the school, but had made it clear that mental health and relationship building were things that were important to me and aspects that I wanted to focus on while I'm here. And so being able to join the cohort was, I, it was flattering and it's been really nice. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so tell me a little bit about what the process has been like for you. What, what did you actually do during the program? Uh, well, we've, we've had once a week, live coaching sessions and then a variety of video lessons with quizzes at the end of the lessons and that it we've during the coaching sessions we've talked about the lessons sometimes and other times we've just talked about things going on on campus any any particular topics stand out to you in terms of what you talked about uh, I would say for me, uh, talking about the transference focused therapy or TFP, mm -hmm. and we sp we've spent a lot of time talking about the four R's regulating, revving, re-experiencing and reconstituting and how they relate to the school environment. Um, yes, is it, we've I, I've I've seen a lot of. In in school examples of witnessing the four R's in students and staff. So just for everybody listening out there, the four R's relate to how people who have been traumatized um, continue to, you know, kind of re-experience the past. You know, they, they are, they get stressed about something, they start to rev, they move into re-experiencing um they're trying to pull themselves back together which is called reconstituting and then when they're kind of feeling in a steady state they're regulating so those are the four r's and, and three of those four r's not not regulating included are part of what's called a survival in the moment state and so when people have experienced trauma they they go into that, that kind of cycle because they're really the brain's primary job is to keep us alive and they're really in survival mode um, and it's very hard to access learning. Stephen, I'm sure you can attest to this when you're in survival mode. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe tell us a little bit more about a typical uh, coaching session. 
you know, just like, and if maybe if one comes to mind about a particular situation that maybe you discussed or how you related the learning and the modules uh, to some situation that you were addressing, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not recalling a, a specific example, but mm -hmm. I know that often our, our live coaching sessions would end up being with uh, us in the cohort. We'd, we'd talk about something that one of us or a few of us had experienced on campus. We'd go over what happened. Uh, John would ask questions, offer input, and share some stories of his own experiences that relate to what's going on with us. And I think it helped us be able to more quickly identify and more accurately identify what's happening when similar things start to happen again and makes it easier to approach the situation before it escalates further. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, I'm thinking you're you are a collaborative storyteller. It's almost a form of collaborative storytelling in a way uh, where people are sharing their stories. The group is maybe the group has had a shared experience and and you're kind of looking at a particular situation and this, and you have a story about the situation. And sometimes going through, um, you know, going through a therapeutic process, it's about changing the story. And I wonder if if some of the stories may have changed for your group, you know, based on how you were seeing things coming in and how you might have been seeing things after you were able to process a little bit. Yeah, I would I would say so. I, I think in general, social social existence is an experience in collaborative storytelling mm -hmm. and having especially having John there to be able to contextualize or recontextualize things that may have happened and give us different perspectives of you know rather rather than like in my own experience rather than beating up on myself for a misstep recognizing that you know those things happen and it wasn't as tragic as it may have felt in the moment yes good um because it is it is you know we go through we all go through experiences as educators as clinicians you know you get into a situation with somebody and you and you go through the experience and you get to the end and you're like oh boy did i really do that and um you know that can be so hard to sometimes forgive yourself for whatever took place but you know we're all human beings and and it's going to happen and it's what we do with it's what we do after the fact that makes the difference whether we work it through or not and sometimes repair strengthens things in a way that makes our relationship even stronger. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, you have the coaching, which is an hour a week, you have the modules to do in between. Um, some of our listeners may be sitting here thinking, wow, this sounds like a huge time commitment. What would you say about the time invested? Uh, I, I wouldn't even say that it's a, it was a huge time commitment. Uh, the hour a week is an hour a week. I, at one point I was home sick and ended up kind of binging through the lessons like a Netflix show. I, and I was just feeling really hungry for more and had the time to be able to go through it. But I, the time that was spent was worth it because tools like that, even, even a ways from now will be tools that will be able to be easily referenced and used in day-to-day -day situations. It's 
So I love, I love the metaphor of tools. We like to think of it kind of like a toolbox. You know, you have, everybody kind of has some tools in their toolbox and it's always good to have new ones, right? To be able to put some new tools in your toolbox for, for new situations and experiences. And I also love that uh, Netflix reference that, you know, you almost did a little binge watching for a while. And I guess that's, that's an advantage about the modules being kind of self-paced that, that you can do it. You know, when you have the extra time, you can put in the extra time. When you have less time, you put in less time. Um, so it has both that, you know, because it's a blended learning thing, it's got both that component of self-pacing and then kind of a group process, um, almost best, best of both worlds, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely for me, at least, I I like self, self-paced things. And mm -hmm. in, in the live coaching sessions, being able to know that, I'm going at my own pace with the video lessons, with the coaching sessions, I could then focus on something that was happening on campus at the time or on another staff member, rather than feeling a sense of urgency to talk about the lessons explicitly. Excellent. So um, I'm wondering if you could um, tell us about an example of, of, you know, or a situation, something something about how the programs impacted your interventions with students what's changed in terms of how you approach students as a result of your your work in this process honestly i think the biggest impact for me has been with my confidence in approaching them <clears throat> i know that i sometimes struggle with a bit of imposter syndrome feelings don't and, we all <laughs> and working through the program has helped me shake a lot of that and realize that I, I have something solid to offer. Uh, yesterday, actually, a student approached me during lunch and told me that they'd been told by another student that I was a good adult on campus to talk to about something that they were dealing with. And that was, that was a real solid win moment for me because just knowing that I've been able to provide enough that the kids are telling each other about it I, it, it feels good to know that I'm doing well at something that's important to me. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And as one of my colleagues always says, you know, they, they, they don't care about what you're teaching them until they know you care. And for a student to approach you and say, you're one of the people on campus, that's a good person to talk to that that's invaluable. That's the kind of thing that kids really remember about their teachers. You know, they, they're not going to necessarily remember this fact or that fact or this character from a book or this algorithm or whatever it is that you're trying to teach. But boy, will they remember if you were there for them and how valuable that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you may have already addressed this just now, but I'm just wondering, you know, how would you say the program has benefited you personally? Yeah, the, the confidence. Um, it's also, it's given me a sense of clarity that mental and emotional health is a field that I want to pursue more directly. Um, I've started taking steps to enroll in grad school and I want to become a licensed clinical social worker. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Okay. So it's, it's kind of opened that door. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is outstanding. And we, we need, we need, we need more people in the field. So that is so good to know. That's excellent. Um, 
Yeah. So you're, you've, you've really been able to, you've increased your confidence. You've kind of seen this capacity emerging in yourself and, and now you're, you're thinking, okay, you know what? I, I could really contribute here and this is something I'd like to do. That's fantastic. I, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exciting. Um, so one of the big things that we're trying to accomplish with our Thrive program is to positively impact the culture and climate of the school. You know, our thought is if you if you get everybody, you know, typically the way schools have handled mental health in the past is they wait for things to kind of get bad with a particular kid. And then they try to have some specialist talk to that kid. And we're thinking if we raise all boats, if we really increase the capacity of, of staff of all walks, you know, counselors, teachers, administrators, et cetera, if we really kind of raise the capacity of everyone, you, it helps to kind of create a climate where everybody's thinking mental health all the time. So how have you seen um, or how do you anticipate that the Thrive program will positively impact the culture and climate at Southside? Uh, I mean, like you described, having more adults with more tools to be able to help not just the student population, but also each other is inevitably going to improve climate and culture. I've, I've even already noticed just even within our cohort, I feel like we've become a closer group and I feel more comfortable looking to them or relying on them for things, talking to them about things that may have felt maybe not maybe scarier or, or more intimidating to approach them with. It's, it's become easier. C communication channels have opened. Um, and I, I feel like it's spreading even just beyond this school, my other friends that are teachers, when they've talked about things they're dealing with, I've relayed some of the stuff that I've learned or, or cemented that's felt intuitive. And, and they are now equipped with more tools to go out. And I think equipped people and healthy people share those things because when you have an abundance of resources it's easy to share it and i think that generally impacts things positively in an exponential way as it ripples out yeah so some great points there the first thing that popped when you said you an abundance of resources i thought of that that phrase you know you can't you can't pour from an empty cup right you have to feel the resources within you in order to share with other people um, another thing you said was you talked about the, the, you know, kind of increased sense of community within your cohort. And I'm a big believer in parallel process in any organization. You know, if you have happiness and contentment and, and confidence among the teachers, that's going to trickle down to the students. If you have burnout and stress and overwhelm in the teachers, that's going to trickle down to the students. So the more that you can kind of create this positive climate and culture um, at, at the, just at the level of the staff, that, that really has an impact on the entire community. And of course, people have these new tools that they can utilize in, in working with the students. Totally. I, uh, one that I, I, I hadn't mentioned is I, I, I can get some tunnel vision when I'm, I'm pursuing something and being being able to recognize when I'm getting close to burnout rather than when I've reached burnout and being able to look to other staff and just be upfront and be like, hey, I'm I'm running low today. Can you help pick up some of the slack that I'm sure I'm going to be leaving and having that dynamic and being able to rely on that is 
even if I'm not actively using it is, is a big help. Yeah, no, absolutely. That self-awareness of our own level, you know, our own fuel level, our own stress level, and kind of knowing where we are, being able to check in with ourselves on a given day and say, I've got this today, or you know what, I need to tap somebody else in today. I need somebody to come and assist me with this particular situation or with this particular student. That's such important knowledge to know, because again, we're not superhuman. We're not going to be like a 10 every day. You know, some days are bit yeah. just better than others. So as much as uh, I may want to. Exactly, exactly. Oh, yes. Well, the, look, the fact that you aspire to that, uh, I relate <laughs> to that. I think that's awesome. I mean, I think that's a great uh, thing for a teacher or a social worker clinician to have. So it's a great quality to always uh, wanting to be improving, always wanting to be, uh, as uh, John Maxwell says, sharpening your saw, right? Always getting better. That's that's an important quality. Um, Stephen, it's, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I think you've provided some really great insights about the Thrive Coaching and Certification Program. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk with me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. It's, it's been a pleasure for me. Thank you. So everyone, Conversations About Student Mental Health is brought to you by the Thrive Alliance Group, Partners in School-Based Mental Wellness. Before we wrap up, here's how you can learn more about Thrive's coaching and certification program for school staff. Visit our website at thrivealliancegroup.com and click on Our Services or go straight to the contact page. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.